When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles. I think we're up to like, what, episode 19? Remember, subscribe, rate, and review us. That's what helps us out. Continue to do this uh, podcast each and every week for you, twice a week during the football season. Greg, let's start with the Buffalo loss. Obviously, gut-wrenching end to a game that got pretty interesting in the second half. Yeah, I thought, you know, I don't know about you, Nick, but uh, I was actually having fun there in the, in the second half <laughs> for a while. I forgot what it was like, you know, for the Patriots to play fun football and and be in the mix. And, and you know, I thought they were driving for a score that was going to rip the heart out of the Bills and Sean McDermott again. Uh, but it didn't come to be as, uh, you know, Cam fumbled. He got the ball punched out, and that's just – Look, that can't happen in that situation. It's just uh, he he needs to find a way. I don't know about the whole switching arm type thing, uh, you know, that people talk about. I, I'm more just, you know, put two, two, two hands around the ball and uh, secure because you know the situation. You know, you're down by a field goal at that point. Right. And you're in field goal range, so you don't want to ruin that. I did think that the Patriots were going to try to score because I didn't think – they probably, I, I, I think, I think it's fair to say, Nick, that they think they have um, a very limited amount of offensive plays that they're ex- able to execute. So I don't think overtime was uh, something that was appetizing to them. It wasn't like they thought they were going to score there and then get the kickoff and go down and drive eighty yards again. Like I don't think that was in the cards. So I think that they were they were driving for a score. Now that being said, I thought overall the Patriots just, I thought they played fine. I thought they had really good plans on both sides of the ball. I just think that they just, they're they're just short personnel wise. And you could say, yes, this game came down to one play. If Cam Newton doesn't fumble, then this, that, and the other thing, that's all true. But you know, you're missing the forest through the trees, which is this team just has a razor thin margin of error in this game. I mean, look, They needed Gabriel Davis dropping a pass in the end zone to even have a chance. Yep. Like that game should have been over. The Bills should have dusted them. And it's just that the Bills aren't very good at this point in time. And I do think that the Patriots had some nice schemes. I just don't think that they're they're just not talented enough. I mean, like, you know, when Ryan Mizzo is missing blocks all over the place, um, you know, on offense, they have to be perfect. They, they can't have any b- bad penalties. They can't have any bad plays. They can't make it up. They're not talented enough. On defense, you know, the same sort of thing. They just they, – they are so bad personnel-wise on first and second down that they can never get to third and long. And so I just think their, their path to victory is so small that, you know, look, would you like to have seen the Patriots come through one out of these three times that they've had a chance? Yes. And that's fair to say, but like there's little chance that they were going to be three of three. And that's because they're just not talented enough. 
Yeah, a couple of things. First thing is the undisciplined play that we saw, especially from the offensive line, I thought killed them. I mean, you look at the first half, they're doing pretty decent, and then you've got the delay of game penalty, which is inexcusable. That kicks them back, stalls the drive. Then you had the Tooney hold, which kicked them back and stalled the drive. Those little things, you know, when you've got better offense and better personnel, you can make up for those mistakes, but with this team, you can't. Secondly, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter, at Nick C Radio, by the way. Again, it's at Nick C Radio. Got a lot of pushback on Twitter, especially from Chris Curtis, my guy over at EEI, guess my guy. <laughs> and uh, I tweeted out after the game, that this team, it's crazy when you look at it, Seattle and on Sunday, if they execute at the end of those games, they could easily be, yeah, they could easily be four and three. Now, I'm not going to give them all three, as you said. My right. point was, my point was not that they should be four and three or that they deserve to be four and three. My point is precisely what you're saying small margin for error. And when you fail to execute at the end of games with this team, with this particular team, that means the difference between a win and a loss. And if if you have those things go your way, you're looking at four and three in a completely, I think, different narrative surrounding this team. But you fail to execute, small margin for error. You lose those games. You lose all three. And now you're staring at two and five. Let's talk about Cam. What'd you think of Cam's performance on Sunday, Greg? I thought, uh, you know, it. As a whole, I thought he was a lot better in this game. I thought that they obviously went back this past week in practice and and probably going back a couple weeks now. And, and sort of I saw they're basically starting from zero with Cam and trying to build him back up. And they made uh, the, the opening script for Josh McDaniels was extremely safe. And a lot of passes that had limited options and get the ball out on time. And I thought... You know, I'm not I'm not completely through the offensive game film yet. I, I have I am through the first half. I watched the whole defense. I am through the first half on offense, and I didn't have him outside of the delay of game penalty, and that is a mental error. Yeah. But in the first half, when they were really scuffling on offense, I didn't have him for one decision that I would have had back. Whereas you know, the week before, there were probably five or six of those instances. So I thought that the plan around cam was much better i i could tell you i am firmly in the start cam camp i am not i am not for starting jared stidham um i some of that has to do with i don't think jared stidham is all that good i mean when you officially have thrown 20 passes in the nfl and you have four interceptions that's not good it's actually without the penalty it's five and 21 um but don't tell anybody uh but i i I like where they are with Cam. Like they, they've unfortunately they've had to re- hit the restart button. Yeah, and nobody wants to do that six, seven games into a season. But that that's where they are because of circumstances. But I do think that there was some promising signs there. I thought that you know getting Jacoby Myers into the mix, um, not as much Demir Bird this week. I thought. You know, maybe Cam realizes the value. Maybe he 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 wasn't appreciative of the value of just checking a ball down to James White on like I think it was it was third and long or second and long. Yeah. And all of a sudden James White takes a little hitch and goes 28 yards. I mean, yep. maybe Cam doesn't realize that. Brady did. And sometimes it takes that type of play to be like, hey, I could do this a lot. And 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 suddenly things change. So I I like where they're going offensively. I thought Damian Harris brought a lot. I thought Cam was better in this game. It's just, you know, I 
I don't know what they're going to do on defense because I, I they have a lot of issues over there. Yeah, they're missing an inside linebacker that can do something. They're missing the big guys up front. The news with Bo Allen, not a surprise. Yesterday we find out that he's done for the season, and that's on Belichick. I see some people tweeting out, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do when a guy gets injured? He has an injury history. Belichick went into that deal knowing yep. that Bo Allen has had a history of not being able to stay on the field and he did not have enough depth in that spot, so here they are. Bo Allen, once again, follows his history, is not healthy enough to play a football game this year, and now you're very thin with the banged-up Lawrence guy in the middle of your defense, which is a big reason why their run defense was trash on Sunday, and I think it will continue to be a dumpster fire against the run. Uh, one thing that did Nick, stick out Nick, one thing on that Okay. before we move on. Yep. I mean, that's that's – you know, what we're seeing now, you know, what, what do we see on Sunday? We saw Lawrence guy go out with an injury. We saw Jawan Bentley go out with an injury. I'm just waiting for Adrian Phillips to go out with an injury. This is what happens when you leave yourself short personnel wise. Yeah. You, you are left with one good defensive tackle. You're left with one linebacker and now, and you have a, you have a safety playing linebacker. I mean, poor Adrian Phillips should ask for combat pay or something like this because <laughs> when, when he signed his contract, he was not expecting to have to take on 330-pound guys on every single snap. Right. But that's what he's being asked to do. I mean, it's it's ridiculous, and it's and it's a dereliction of Belichick's duty that he's putting these guys out there, that Lawrence guy has to play all the time because he left them short. He signs Bo Allen, who, like you said, has an injury history. Danny Shelton, I'm not sure about Cleveland, but he seemed pretty durable to me. Uh, you know, for the most part when he was in New England. And then, you know, you 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 basically leave yourself short there. You don't, you know, it's only Bo Allen. And 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 it's not like defensive tackles on the street are all that hard to find. And then at linebacker, you just leave one linebacker when you knew that Dante Hightower opted out a long time ago. And it's just I feel really bad for a lot of these guys. And 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 you know, those three guys in particular, and I just think it's it's been unfair what Belichick's asked them to do, and now it's coming home to roost. You couldn't expect those guys to last a season playing the way that they are right now, and now we're, we're not even – we're at the halfway point of the season, and these guys – I'm telling you, Phillips is going to be next, that that they're going to be done for a while, and, and wait till you see that version of the defense. Yeah, I think I saw a stat that said that Phillips has played like 72% of the snaps so far this year – and he's playing inside the box a lot. He's playing that kind of hybrid linebacker role. He's going to get smashed. But I do, and he gets hurt a lot. I give Belichick a little bit of breathing room when it comes to linebacker because of the circumstances. Look, he did not have any cap space when it mattered at the beginning of free agency, so he couldn't add to the linebacker spot much at all via free agency. He obviously tried to address it in the draft by drafting both Uche and Jennings. Now, he didn't know this COVID thing was going to be as bad as it got. I'm sure he was thinking, hey, we'll get him in rookie minicamp. We'll get him in joint practices. We'll get him in preseason games. And maybe one of those two guys will pop for us. And then if one of those two guys pop for us and we've got high tower to go along with one of those other guys, we can probably cobble it together. So I, I blame him less at the linebacker spot because I do think circumstances really hurt him in that case at the second level. But there is no excuse for the defensive line it is not good, especially in the middle. And bringing Allen in, a guy that, again, had injury history, it's pretty much we knew this was going to happen. Coaching on Sunday bothered me. 
The first thing I'll ask you about is the play calling by McDaniels in the first half, specifically on third and medium, third and long. We saw, I think, three runs in this game where it was, you know, third and eight, third and 12. I think there was a third and four or something like that. What'd you make of the decisions to try to run the football? And especially on a couple of those occasions, giving it to, of all people, James White between the tackles. Yeah, well, I mean, that that James White play in particular, um, I watched that and I actually I put that on James. I thought that I thought there was there was room to run. He went he went the wrong way. He read the he read the play wrong. Um, you know, look, it's hard for me to I don't like to get into sort of the 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 blame game with you know, offensive play calling because you know, and I learned this when when I when I was behind the scenes with the Houston Texans game planning uh, it just opened up my eyes to to what these guys go through, and, and they game plan the same way the Patriots do. So I know, you know, the the manner in which the Patriots operate, and there's a reason why every single play call is on Josh McDaniel's sheet for that opponent. It's something that they've seen in film. It's something they've seen in statistics. And I think, to tell you the truth, I, I thought that the Rex Burkhead run late in the game totally validated uh, McDaniel's call of those similar plays earlier in the game because they saw certain things in what the Bills like to do. And even that first one, I think it was third and 12, the play that you're talking about, and they ran. And Izzo just completely whiffed on his block. I mean, it, it, all the Bills were inside it, it, it was the right call. McDaniels thought he was going to get a certain call out of the Bills and Leslie Frazier, and he did. The Patriots just didn't execute. And, and that's where I come down uh, for a lot of play calls. Certainly at the end of games, you can, once they go off script and it gets a little tighter as far as this play sheet, you can make certain arguments. But I thought that, look, the Patriots, uh, Belichick goes into a game, he gives the coordinators and he's the defensive coordinator. He gives the, the coordinators, all right, this is the way I want to play the game. This is what I want to do. And where they are offensively and the way they were going to defend the Bills, it, it led themselves to say, all right, we're going to be very conservative on offense. We don't we, – remember what we talked about last time, Nick, was what's number one on getting this turned around? Don't turn the ball over. Right. So I think they tried to limit themselves into those opportunities – uh, as far as you know, putting Cam in a spot where he might throw an interception, they wanted to avoid that at all costs. Hey, let's try to eliminate the, the the turnovers at all costs, and then let's see where we are. And they did that for a large portion of the game, and it worked because they stayed within striking distance the whole game. It's just it goes back to a razor thin margin of error, and and I thought the Patriots called offensive plays that they thought they had a chance of executing at a high level. Yes, they were conservative. I don't have a problem with that because basically they've been a train wreck on offense for two weeks. I got a problem with it. I mean, I think at certain points you've got to try to be aggressive every once in a while. Third and 12 running the football. I, I get what you're talking about. You see something on film. You think there's an opening there. It's really tough to get more than 12 yards on a run in the NFL on third down, no matter what you see from the defense and what their tendencies are. It's a really, really rough ask. I would also say the personnel, if you're going to run the football on third down, especially in between the tackles, put Damian Harris in the game. That is not James White's you know, strong suit. He's, he's not the kind of guy that's going to consistently pound in between the tackles and give you four or five yards on a third down. So I'm a little bit more harsh on the play calling than you are. I think McDaniels 
he did he was he wasn't very good situationally in the first half and i think he got better in the second half and i think that's why the patriots moved the ball better and they scored points in the second half they they were a little bit more trustworthy in cam and said hey we're going to we're going to ride or die with him a little bit in some of these instances and i thought that they were really 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 conservative in the first half and i also think if you're going to play conservative greg why in the hell do you go with the onside kick after tying that game at 14? Like, if if you're going to be conservative and you're running the football on third and 12, what is up with the onside kick? I thought that was an awful call at the time. I, I tweeted about it at the time. I don't know why Belichick did it. I'm sure he saw something in the film, and I'm sure he thought there was an opening there. But you just tied the game, and here's the issue. You're either going to give Buffalo a short field, which they did, and Buffalo went right down and scored a touchdown, or – if you stop Buffalo, they are now going to pin your offense, which hasn't been consistently great. They're going to pin your offense the back against the end zone. I thought the risk was way too high for the possible reward. I hated the call. What did you think of the onside kick? Yeah, it's uh, it's a good point by you. And, and actually, Nick, at the time, you know, to be honest, in the moment, I didn't have a huge problem with the call just because I thought, they were, you know, looking to, you know, steal a possession. If the if the if the Bills weren't going to turn the ball over to them, you know, and they did with Allen uh, once, the Patriots needed to create something because they couldn't get off the field defensively. And so, I didn't in the moment. I didn't have a problem with the call. I had a problem with the manner in which they did it. If if that makes sense, because. Look, you're trying to that the whole it's the element of surprise there. Like we all know that onside kicks like are extremely have extremely low percentage of conversion the way the rules are written right now. In the yeah, NFL. I think there's been two that have worked. I think they said that last night during the Giants Buccaneers game. I think there's been two successful onside kicks this year. Yeah, and so you're trying to up the percentages and and the whole thing is, you know, what's ironic is Belichick said they didn't try at the end of the first half because of low percentages. Well, does an onside <laughs> kick does it get any worse in percentages than an onside kick? But right. that being said, if you're just looking to steal something, get momentum, the onside kick, the manner in which they kicked it, which they kicked a pop-up ball, which is what you do with the game on the line, I would have liked, because obviously they saw something in the film like the Bills just turn their back and go back to block. I get it. But if you pop the ball into the air, you take the element of surprise out, if this makes any sense, where the guys are going back to block. But if you pop the ball up in the air and somebody sees it, somebody yells out like, you know, Peter or whatever, like, you know, turn around. So the ball's popped up in the air. You have time if you're, if you're one of the Bills to start back to block then all of a sudden I can stop, turn around, see the ball, and catch it. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen like a line drive. Maybe, you know, we've seen it in the past where you just kick it at one of the defenders because you think they're going to turn their back. Right. Uh, that would have been a cool call for me. But the pop-up just just didn't make sense. And But in hindsight, watching it back, I agree with you. I thought that the way the game was going at that time, I thought it was the wrong call at the wrong time. And I, and I would have been, I would have wanted to make the bills drive as far as possible, make them have yep. as many plays as possible, yep. because I thought they were getting, the defense was getting a little bit more of a beat on what the, the bills were doing. I agree. And I thought the offense was coming alive. So watching it back on the coaches film, I agree with you. I thought it was in hindsight, it was a dumb call. 
Yeah, I just think big picture with Josh Allen, that's the kind of offense when you force them to be patient. Say, okay, if you're going to have an 11, 12 yep. play drive and you're going to score on us, tip of the cap to you. But exactly. history tells us that Josh Allen, when he's got to be patient and he's got to have multiple long drives like that, inevitably he's going to turn the football over. So I just hey. thought it was I thought it was a bad coaching decision. Can, can I say something on that real sure. quick? And I, yeah. I don't know if we were going to get to it, but – you know, what you're saying about, you know, Josh Allen, what, what drives me crazy about this Patriots defense and, and why, it, like, I'm frustrated with Belichick, the GM, about, you know, the defensive line and the linebackers. Like, you know, just go get somebody who can play. There's got to be some street veteran linebacker who can play, who he could stick. Like, they could never – and we've talked about it before. The whole the, – what you want to do as the Patriots is get the opponent into third and long. And, like, I'm just – I'm watching the coach's film, and, like, I'm like, all right, well, here we go. Here's second and eight. Can they get them in the third and long? Nope. Here comes a big run. Like, it's just – they can't – they couldn't get the game. Like, you can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to put the game in Josh Allen's hands. Right. Like, somehow. But they just don't have the personnel – to do it that's the that's the problem like they could never when they could never ever get them into third and long and when on the rare occasions they did they got off the field Allen throws an interception like you could see what they want to do and if they could just get there they could be a good defense they could be much better but you, did you know that after this game they are 31st in the league in first down and second down defense I mean that is atrocious it's putrid. That's the whole problem with this team. Because, Nick, we talked about it before the season in training camp. How does this team need to play? They need to play bully ball. They need to get a lead. They need to play ground control. And they need to get the ball to their secondary where guys are throwing when they're down 10 points. They just they, – they cannot get there. It's just – and it was so frustrating to watch this game because, like you said, Josh Allen is dying to give you the game. Dying. And and they just couldn't get there just because they don't have the personnel. All right, let's let's move on away from the game and let's look at what Belichick just said yesterday on WEEI with OMF. Uh, and what has been happening so far this year? It's been fascinating, Greg. Belichick has been more honest, more upfront, and more talky talky than he's ever been in the last twenty plus years. I mean, he has yep. even going back to Julian Edelman and the injury to Edelman last week. On Friday, I think it was, he's talking to the media, and he even goes deeper into that situation than he usually does. He talks about how Julian's probably going to be out for a while and even kind of casts doubt uh, whether or not they can replace Edelman and, and what he does for the team and, and how much of a warrior he is. Belichick's been awful chatty. The, the first thing I've got to ask you about is just what he said on OMF yesterday about the salary cap, your reaction to that. Well, I mean, my, you know, my reaction to, you know, all of it from the Charlie Weiss interview with Sirius XM to uh, what he said on EEI on Monday is just like, it's just, it's, it's, it's not the full truth. It's not a full accounting. Like people could say, oh, well, Belichick's being honest. Well, he's not because he stops, he stops short of, he could say, all right, well, the salary cap prevented us from, from doing X, Y, and Z. And, and and by the way, you talked about like why, you know, he's doing it now. He's talking a lot. Like, why is that? It's because he used to be able to let the results speak for themselves. Right. 
used to say they, they used to say everything. I mean, as long as explain, they were winning, you don't have to explain much if you're winning a lot of games and you're exactly in the middle of look the at the scoreboard. Yep, you got you got a criticism about my play calling or my personnel. Look at the scoreboard. We're six and one. We're yep. seven and zero. Like I don't have to answer any questions. The results speak for themselves. Now the results don't say anything other right. than they're the Patriots are losers at this at this point in time. Um, but you know that's the reason why he's talking. By the way, uh, I was telling this to my wife the other day. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like this is like covering the Dolphins or the or the Cowboys again." Where like you know Jerry Jones is going on radio every week, and like is Be- Belichick gonna get a get a weekly nighttime spot or something like that, like at a local sports bar where he's because <laughs> it's like I have to monitor all of his appearances now because I don't know what he's gonna say. Suddenly, the guy who never said anything for twenty years, you don't know what he's gonna say when he's, he's on. He's saying that. everything. It's like now. went from yeah, he's to like everything. Jerry Jones. But I, I just thought, I thought the 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 comments overall are just they're a bunch of half truths, like. Did was this, has the salary cap been an issue? Yes. Did they sell out the past quote unquote sell out the past couple of years or you know past six or seven years uh, to get some Super Bowls? Yeah, to a certain extent you could say that, uh, depending on what you're looking at in terms of trades that they've made and things like that. But he leaves out the essential point is, well, why did you have to do that? And the reason why is because they 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 drafted poorly. And yep. they didn't have any influx of young, cheap talent. So yep. they had to offset that. And it's, we've talked about it for years. All of us who who are honest about the Patriots, who don't just say, oh, well, they win, so let's not say anything about the team. The, those of us who, 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 who keep check on the team have said, well, this is fine and all, but at some point those bills are going to come due. And, and what I heard bi- from Bill yesterday, and this was the, the crux of my column at bostonsportsjournal.com, which was, you know, for 20 years, the Patriots were special because they had sustained excellence that no one has ever done in any team sport with a salary cap. That's why they were special. Year in, year out, it didn't matter. They won. You never see that. Almost every, every other team will climb the top of the mountain, but they sold out to get there. And then they go through mediocrity before they get back if they ever do. That never happened to the Patriots. Every year, like clockwork, the Patriots were a contender. And 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 that was the special thing about them. And it's the thing we'll talk about them for years, you know, for 50, 100 years. We'll talk about what this 20-year run uh, was about and put it in perspective. And no one will ever match it. But what Belichick is essentially saying now what I heard the other day when I listened to it was now the Patriots are just like any other team. They are no longer special. They are now in the, Oh, well we sold out. The salary cap has hamstrung us. Now we got to suck for a year or two. We're just like the Ravens. We're just like the Steelers. We're just like every other team. So in my mind, the dynasty, as we knew it, the Patriots being winners year in and year out, that is over now because of the personnel failings in the draft. I also laid out, God, the countless number of trades that they've made that, that just have, you know, whether it was Antonio Brown signing or Mohamed Sanu, Josh Gordon trading Jacoby Brissett for Philip Dorsett, all because you couldn't draft a line, uh, a wide receiver ever. I mean, you have to trade picks for Danny Shelton and Bo Allen or sign Bo Allen because you couldn't draft 
a defensive tackle. I mean, Lawrence Guy, they signed in free agency, great signing, but they had to sign him. That's an expensive guy, more expensive than the draft. I mean, and they had to trade for Coney Ely and Michael Bennett because they couldn't they couldn't develop any edge guys. You know, at, at tight end, they had to trade picks for Dwayne Allen and Martellus Bennett because they never drafted any tight ends after Aaron Hernandez was was uh, indicted for murder. I mean, it's just it's the draft, it's the trades. Did they sell out? Yeah, but there's a reason because of their personnel failings. Yeah, I think there's three prongs to a team building, right? When you look at it, you either get better through free agency, you get better through the draft, or you get better through trading. And I think Belichick is telling us the truth when it comes to the cap. And I do think there's a line of, you know, somewhat frustration and then, well, refreshing honesty. And I think people are on either side of that line. I don't mind him coming out and talking about the cap and being real because I do think he's kind of lowering expectations for the team, for the fan base. And sometimes a sobering message is needed. And I do think that's somewhat of a sobering message. However, he can be factual about the cap and being against it and all that. And the, and as you said, the bills are coming due with that side of it, but there are two other prongs and he is not being accountable or taking responsibility for his bad drafting over the last five or six years. And he's not taking responsibility or accountability for some of the bad trades that he has made. The Sanu trade was a disaster. Jimmy G, we've talked about it before. He could have got more. I think you think it was pretty yep. much reported out. He could have got more if he pulled the trigger before the season. The Brissett trade, again, you brought it up with Dorsett. That was a miss. You can even go back to Chandler Jones and say, did you really get enough? Jonathan Cooper in a second round pick. Now, I know that turned into Joe Tooney. Got some pushback on Twitter about that. Tooney was going to be there no matter what, right? You yeah. could. I think, I think you could have gotten better uh, in that deal with Chandler Jones. I, I think you could have tried to get a first round pick for him. He's an elite pass rusher. He's one of the best pass rushers in the entire NFL since he's been in Arizona. So there are misses there. And so when you talk about the salary cap, okay, I I'm, I'm glad that you actually did it. I'm glad that you're giving us something because we have bitched and moaned and complained for a lot of years. Not as much I, but a lot of other people in the media have been complaining about Belichick never says anything. Belichick won't. Well, now Belichick's saying something and people are crapping on him for that. So it, it is kind of a catch 22. Do you want him to talk about something or do you not want to talk about something? And I'm, I'm glad that he's actually approaching some of these topics and being honest about them like Edelman and like the cap. However, Let's not overlook the mistakes that he has made, which put him in the position to spend up to the cap and to build this team in a way where, yes, the bills would have to come due. Uh, before, by, by on, the way, one one more thing on that, sure. Nick, just on on the from from the Weiss interview. Uh, just one thing I wanted to say was that you know the 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 whole jumping off point from Charlie Weiss was his question about like, you know, you have a lot of young players playing. Yeah, playing it seems guys. like yep. is that because. You like them or is it circumstances? And like the whole premise of the question was completely wrong. Like, hey, first of all, kind of young guys. Huh. Yeah, I don't know who they're talking about. I mean, other than the the the, the offensive linemen like Awenu and, and Haran, who have to play because, well, first of all, they're better. I mean, they do have veteran options, a Froholt and Cunningham, but the, the rookies are better. So they're playing. And but outside of that, no, what the pertinent question should have been was. Bill, I'm watching the coaches' film, and boy, you have a lot of sucky players who are playing. <laughs> That's that not young players, like subpar 
sucky players. There's a lot of mediocrity on the field, Bill. A lot of mediocrity. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, just like, you know, Bill, I see a lot of suck on the field. Like, why is that? Was that just because that's all you, that's the best you have? That's, I just had to say that. That's the pertinent question. That, well, that, we know why. That the young question. guys. Subpar we, players. Well, we know why the question was asked the way it was que- asked because yeah. Charlie Weiss and, you know, he and Belichick are friends. And so it's easier to say, oh, there's a lot of young guys that don't know what they're doing out there, Bill. What's happening? Mm-hmm. Instead of, hey, Bill, there's a lot of, you know, defensive backs playing linebacker out there and your defensive line looks like trash. Why is that? So that's why I was asked that way. Before we get to the question of the day from our Boston Sports Journal.com member, of course, the trade deadline, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, so we still have a few hours left. Diana Russini at ESPN tweeted out this morning that she heard teams are contacting the Patriots about Stephon Gilmore. The Patriots are asking for a first-round pick and a player in return for Gilmore. Uh, your thought about that rumor? And also, if you were Belichick, what would you do right now before the deadline? Yeah, I... Um... I think I think that's a little steep as far as and maybe that's where they're starting, you know, considering the trade deadline is until isn't until 4 p.m. Uh, because Gilmore wants a new deal immediately, and I'm sure his agent is letting everybody know that. So that's really that's that's tough. Like to, for a guy who is going to be 31 uh, at some point here in the next year to trade a first round pick and a player and fork over a bunch of money to him going into a, a cap year where we think that the cap is going to go down because of uh, the economics of the league right now. That's a really tough ass. So right. I think, I think I would be happy with uh, a second round pick and a decent player. If they could get a linebacker, uh, you know, a, a youngish linebacker, somebody who can play linebacker, then, you know, I'm good with that. As far as other guys, I would listen on, I would listen on Joe Tooney uh, for sure. And I would be willing to trade him pretty much for anything. If I could get a second, I'd be ecstatic. Third round pick, I'd take because, you know what what uh, you know what a lot of people haven't talked about is that when it when it comes to next season of free agency, when the Patriots have a bunch of cap room, you know we think that they're going to sign some players. Well, when that happens, that offsets your departures in free agency as far as the, the compensatory picks. Right. So if Joe Tooney leaves for a big contract and the Patriots sign somebody with a big contract, you UNSs don't get any compensation for Joe Tooney. So if he's walking in a year and you think you're going to sign free agents, you might as well get that comp pick right now because you're probably not going to get it down the road. Uh, so you don't want to see, you don't want to see Tooney leave and not get anything for him. I think the only time you can secure be secure in knowing that you're going to get something for Joe Tooney is right now. So I would be interested in that. Sony Michelle, I'm trading for anything anybody wants to give me. Um, Lawrence Guy is hurt right now. Uh, I would listen on him. I mean, I love him, but he's going into a contract year. Um, I, I assume they're going to re-sign him, but I would listen. James White, I would listen to. Pers- personal circumstances probably make it difficult, but who knows? Maybe maybe uh, Belichick can reach out to Brian Flores or uh, you know Bruce Arians and, and maybe a trade down to Florida closer to his mom. Uh, might be a good thing for everybody if they That's can get something point. for him. Interesting and, point. And also, uh, you know, Adam Butler, I would listen on, who is just, you know, he's he's still just a sub-package defensive tackle, and 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 if somebody wants to overpay for that, I'm listening. 
Yeah, I think Gilmore, Tooney on the block for sure. Uh, you know, if you could get rid of Michelle, fine. Uh, but with that said, run Damian Harris. Sick and tired. Of <laughs> I mean, come on. The guy had. Like, we're gonna had, we're gonna call the podcast the. Uh, you know. I mean, did he scream, not streaming Nick Cattles run Damian Harris podcast? Did he not show? I mean, you're, you're valid. You were proved out. I mean, they gave him eight carries, I think, in the first three quarters of that game against the defense. That's not good against the run. I I, I just don't understand yep. it. Uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question of the day. Uh, check them out over at BSJ, 11 cents a day on their annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch a- analysis of all the Boston pro sports, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and of course you are, membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis Bedard does on the coach's film and direct access to him in weekly chats. Uh, this week's question, the first question of this week, is from C. Granado. Uh, Greg, why does Nick Casario get no blame here? Belichick has clearly shown that he gives a lot of responsibility to guys who have been here and he trusts. He names McDaniels, Patricia, Skarnecchia. He obviously trusts Casario as he did not let him leave, and he has been with the organization for a very long time. Getting players is the guy's entire job. Yeah, but he doesn't pick the players. That's the thing, and I think we've sort of touched on this before, but what people need to understand is that – Everything personnel, basically everything the Patriots do, especially in the personnel area, it's it's Bill Belichick. He makes all the decisions. Like, you know, for example, I was just going back to uh, the column that I wrote on Saturday, uh, which was in uh, in response to Belichick's comments to Charlie Weiss and about you know the excuse making that he was doing with with the uh, with the roster. But you know, I texted uh, some people who are in the team, around the team, very close to the team. These are people who, you know, have been in the building. They know what's going on. And I texted Belichick's comments, and they they all across the board were like WTF. Like, what what is Bill talking about? Like, because, you know, there's been a lot of pushback, and a lot of people are pointing fingers at Nick Casario, but he's, he's the director of player personnel. But it all comes down to Belichick. Like when it comes down to the draft picks, Bill picks them. And, and you know, one one source told me that Belichick does not sit in on the scout meetings before the draft. He just reads the reports. He calls his buddies in college football. He leans on them, and then he makes the picks. I mean, they 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 make all sorts of recommendations in the personnel department. But it's Belichick. It's not it's not Casario now. You know, I did also ask about because some people are like who say that Casario doesn't isn't as much of a a buffer or a strong counter to Belichick. And no, I don't think Bill is looking for that because I think he he thinks he knows what he's doing. But I asked people about that and they're like, well, what's he supposed to do? Like tackle Belichick? Like, you know, Nick and I'm sure Nick says things in his certain way, but at the end of the day, Belichick's going to do what he wants to do. Nick can Nick can say, I think we should do this, but Bill's going to do what he wants to do. And I just think that uh, the other part of the question about, you know, Belichick kept him here. I really don't think Casario wanted to leave. And I think from people that I've talked to, I think that Casario has come around. Yes, he was ambitious at a certain point in time, but I think that Casario through maybe some counsel with people and just in generally, you know, getting to that ledge about leaving the Patriots has come to the realization that I'm not sure that he wants to run the show anywhere. I think he realizes, and a lot of people who know him, who have worked with him, 
think that he is much better in his role as a number two than he would be as a number one. And I think Casario's realized that. So I don't think he ever really wanted to leave. And I think the only way he would leave is if he worked hand in hand with somebody uh, like a Josh McDaniels or something where they share a vision, they share decision-making. I don't think Nick wants to go anywhere and run his own show. Interesting. You know, some guys want to be the number one. Some guys like the job security that usually comes along with uh, being the number two. Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Man, we talked about an awful lot. We covered Buffalo. We covered (laughs) Chatty Belichick. We touched on the the, uh, trading deadline as well. Uh, If something happens at the trading deadline, Greg just might be doing an emergency podcast, get his thoughts about it. Uh, If not, we'll talk about that later on in the week. And, of course, we've got to cover this uh, awful Jets-Patriots game that will be on Monday Night Football. Until then, everybody be good. Everybody be safe. Everybody be healthy. He's Greg Bedard. I'm Nick Cattles. We'll check you out next.